Unspoken Issues. What is going on, everyone? Uh, Jesse here. I just kind of wanted to step in and give you a little bit of an intro here to this episode as Chris Armstrong and myself jumped into a project to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of Image Comics. So this episode is an intro to what we're going to call Seven Founders, Seven Number Ones, Seven Days. What's going to follow is our discussion of the launch titles for each one of the Image books that came out from each of the founders. We're going to do a podcast today. Chris and I sat down and recorded for four hours, and we are going to spread that out over seven days. Some episodes may be pretty short, and some a little bit longer than others. I break the ice with a little bit of a story, because it just so happened, on the day that we recorded this podcast, I went to an auction, a local auction in person, wasn't online, had the opportunity to try and win some Image Comics. There was about 600 comic books there, all from the mid-90s to about the very late 90s. The bulk of them were Image Comics. We then get into the intro for the project, where we talk about the excitement of the Image launch, and Chris even put together a timeline. So here we go. Let's get into the introduction for our seven founders, seven number ones in seven days. All right, well, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Issues podcast. Oh, wow. This one. This one we're getting ready to do is actually something that I've been looking forward to for quite a while. Uh, We are in the throes of celebrating the 30-year anniversary of Image Comics. That's right. Image Comics launched the first issue, I believe, hit in April of 1992. And to fact check me here, I've got Chris Armstrong, of course. He's (laughs) going to be helping me out. So as April of 92, is that when Youngblood number one hit the hit the stands? Yes, sir. April 16th, I believe, was the release date for Youngblood number one. All right. So you and I had this fantastic idea to cover the number ones of the image founders. So that is what we're going to do. But I told Chris Armstrong I had to talk about an experience that I had today (laughs) before we get into uh, our main episode, if you will. So I'm taking 10 minutes and I am getting some (laughs) stuff off my chest. Okay, let it out. Here it is. Here it is. So, Chris, you know, I I sent you a message. I said, look, I'm going to have to be a little bit late. We're going to have to start this podcast late, probably because there is an auction that's going on not too far from me, like about half hour down the road. I've been going to auctions for quite a while. I've been to probably two auctions within an hour and a half from where I live that Mm -hmm. solely focused on comics. Auctions are held every weekend. Uh, There are people that are solely in the business of going in, you know, just doing auctions and consignments and, and things like that. A lot of times when comics come up, the good thing is now with the advent of technology, it used to be you had to buy a paper and you went through and the auctioneer would list what was going on in, you know, in the auction. But mm-hmm. now with the advent of technology, there's a, an app out there called Auction Zip. You go right to that app, you punch in your zip code, you give them a range that you want to find your auction in and put in a keyword if you want to try and narrow things, narrow things down. You can also set up email alerts for these auctions to let you know when one's around you. So if you're looking for like any any auction that involves or has the word comic listed in its description, it'll send you an email alert. 
and you can go to that auction. And I've had some really, really good success with some auctions. What's been going on here recently since COVID, clearly that affected the auction industry because, yeah. you know, you're stuffing all these people into one big roof and they've all got to, they're all sitting there bidding on, you know, you you go to an auction, like the auction I went to tonight, there was probably a good 50 people there. And when the pandemic hit, that wasn't feasible. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're, they're starting to get back into the groove of things. But uh, to the point of what I'm trying to make here is that a lot of times the auctions that you're going to around your area, if it involves comics, that's just like one of the many things that they're selling along with it, along with like the, the glassware and, you know, all sorts of trinkets, all sorts of tools, just about anything you could think of. And then there's yeah. probably the comics. So this happened upon my search engine you look at the description big bold letters lots of comics and i'm like oh okay <laughs> so you go into the you go into the auction you look at the pictures they will take pictures of stuff before obviously it's going to go on sale to entice people to come and see and there's a lot of comics there i'm seeing all these flats of comics and i start looking and this is so appropriate so so appropriate it's like laden with image comics <laughs> okay there are some marvel comics in there uh, but everything is basically mid-90s forward. There was nothing I saw in the pictures that was yeah, pre... Sweet spot. Yeah, it was nothing was pre-1990 in there at all. I think the oldest thing I'd seen in there was probably 92, maybe 93. This person had been collecting, and they collected a lot of comics around that time. They also collected a lot of comics that I collected at the same time. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there, because when I go to these auctions, you can get things for really really cheap, really cheap. I'm talking like I've been to auctions where I've paid, uh, I think seven to 10 cents a comic, maybe mm-hmm. even less than that after it all comes, after it all shakes down. I mm-hmm. did have it. I've got stories that I could tell you about the time I went and saw a Superman versus Muhammad Ali buried underneath a bunch of bronze age. <laughs> uh, it was buried. And I mean, buried underneath a bunch of like Supergirl. The movie adaptation was in that same box. <laughs> and I was like, nobody knows what they're getting. And I, I could have, I, I had the chance to get that. All right, here we go. Here's the auction note. So I get to the auction. First thing I want to try and pay attention to is how much are these comics going to go for, right? I want to know, are people spending like stupid amounts of money or are they actually somewhat reasonable or am I going to get these things? Can I kind of gauge if I'm going to be getting these things cheap? So, all right, you got about 40, maybe a little bit less flats. When I say flats, just imagine like a big box take the lid off that box and you put comic books in that lid mm. lid. Okay. So there's about 15 to 20 comics in each one of these flats. So there's about 40 of them there. First lot comes up. All right. Hey, we're going to sell some comics, ladies and gentlemen, come on down. It's choice out. Now what that means is that you win the bid. You can go down there. You can look at the comics, pick whichever one you want. You can get that many at the price that you want it for. So if you wanted mm. to buy all 40 at $10 a piece, you could do so. If you only wanted to buy one little lot at $10 a piece, you could do that. Whoever won gets the choice out. All right. Yeah. First lot guy spends 20 bucks a lot. All right. So he wins the bid at $20. I'm like, Oh crap. This is these, these, these are going to be expensive comics. Uh, people are going to be dropping lots of money on these nineties comics, which blew my mind. (laughs) He walks up there. He picks out two. And they're just filled. I, I'm pretty certain what he went for was all of the the two flats that had the most spawn comics in it. So yeah. he probably got about 40 comics uh, for uh, 40 bucks. So he paid about a dollar an issue. 
which is good. That's a good start out price. I mean, that's what you mm-hmm. probably find easily at a comic book store. Right. But he only picks out two boxes. So we still got another 38 to go. All right. <laughs> Second lot comes up. All right. What's the price going to drop down to? It sells at $10 per choice. If you want to get up there, you can. This guy ends up winning a bid. Uh, and he's an older gentleman. He walks up and I'm like, oh, man, let's see how much he's going to spend. He gets two boxes. I'm like, <laughs> OK, this is good. These things are just going really slow and the price is starting to drop. Right. All right. right. Next up. Next round. Bids one at seven dollars and fifty cents. And I didn't bid. I'm staying. I'm staying back. Right. This guy gets seven dollars and fifty cents a box. He walks up. He picks one box. <laughs> They're just going slow and slow. And at this point, I write in my notes, okay, I'm shooting for $4, maybe 5 If I want to bid at $5 a box, I'm going to walk up there, pick about, I don't know, 10 boxes, spend about 50 bucks, get all the good boxes, and then watch <laughs> everybody else just drop away. But here's what happened. They end up abandoning selling the comics for a while and going over and trying to sell these Dickens Village houses, which just drove me nuts. <laughs> Because there's like a hundred of them lining a wall. They would run a bid. Somebody would win. And then they'd sit there and have to look through all of the ones. And they'd have to sit there and wait. Uh, Well, luckily, I mean, they were selling other stuff. But they weren't selling the comics. They were selling other stuff. So I sat there and waited, waited, waited. Finally, they come back to the comic. Another round comes up. First bid. Uh, or the winning bid is at $10 a box. So we went we went from $10 down to $7.50 a box. Then we went back up to $10 a box. Yeah. Like, oh, this, this is weird. Well, luckily, this guy just walked up there and picked one box again. <laughs> so he gets one <laughs> box at, for, at, for $10. And he's getting, I mean, that's still a good price. Like I said, if he's got 20 comics in there, he's paying 50 cents a comic. They're bagged. They're boarded. Everything looks great on these comics, right? Yeah. Uh, so at this point, I write in my notes, I'm getting these comics at $3 a flat. That is what my intention is. I'm getting these at three bucks a flat. I am going to, and whatever's left, I'm buying it all. So next round comes around. We're at $5 and an older gentleman wins the bid at $5. I hold out and I don't bid. And I'm like, okay, next, next round it's dropping. The trend is there. We're going down. We're going to get to $5, maybe even less. Well, this guy wins it at $5 and he goes up. I don't understand what he saw in these comics, but he must've seen something. He's an older gentleman. You never know. He's definitely older than me. And he goes up and he picks 12 boxes, five bucks a piece. So he spends 60 bucks. He gets, he gets a fair share of comics, but there's about 22 boxes left on the table. And now it's my time to shine, Chris. <laughs> it is my time to shine. So auctioneer, all right, we're bidding comics again. So he, all right, how about everybody start me out at 10? So the auctioneer, I will give props to this auctioneer because he knew that where the price was, you know, he wasn't stupid and started everything at $100 a box. He didn't do that. <laughs> right. He started, and finally he started to realize the trend and he starts it out at 10. Nobody bites. Drops it down to seven fifty a box. Nobody bites. And I'm sitting there, dude. I've got my number in my hand. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> drop her down. Drop it on down. $5 a box. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. Let's see if anybody else budges. Nobody budges. $3 a box. And I'm like, okay, put my hand up. I'm the only one bidding on these comics. So auctioneer. Three. Okay, I got three. Four. Give me four, 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 four. Four, 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 four. Now, I don't know. Probably about I don't, minute 15 uh, of trying to get a $4 bid. You're going to call it for the guy that already bid for three. Yeah. And just, mm, no, no. What happens? Chris Armstrong. <sighs> Auctioneer holds out and holds out until finally man speaks up in the front. $4. Well, my instinct is to go, okay, I'm getting the, I want to get these things at three. I back off and 
I let this person bid. So I'm kind of looking around and then I see who bid on it and I recognize them. So immediately, as soon as I recognize who this is, I I'm kind of aware of, you know, what kind of business he's in. Uh I know this guy, I know what he does. It's a local furniture salesman. All right. And he also runs an auction house and okay. The only thing that's left on this table I guarantee you is just image comics. There's probably maybe 10% of the nineties Marvel that I'd seen in there, which was some fantastic Four, some captain America, uh, you know, all the stuff that happened after heroes reborn. Yeah. There was some heroes reborn stuff in there. All of these, uh, a lot of that stuff was picked through already. It's just image comics sitting there. This guy has no idea who Pitt is. He has <laughs> no clue who Supreme is. He has no idea who Bad Rock is. But this guy buys all 22 boxes for $4 a box. Spends 80, 80 bucks, 90 bucks. Gets about 300 to 400 comics. I mean, I am livid. Because this guy has no idea what he's... He has no idea, no clue what he has. No yeah. clue... I'm not saying it's gold. What I'm saying is that he doesn't appreciate this stuff. I know what he's going to do with it. He's just going to try and flip it later. I'm sending you a picture this Saturday of the auction that's coming up at his auction house. And I guarantee guarantee you those comic books are going to be sitting on his page. He's he's going to turn around and flip them. I love the 90s comics. What are we here to celebrate? We're here to celebrate (laughs) image. We're here to celebrate 90s comics. But Mm. I will tell you that they aren't something that goes for a lot of money. It resale value on nineties comics. Yeah. Outside of a handful of key issues, which are few and far between in the nineties, there's just, yeah. Right. Not a whole lot of dollar value attached to most of that stuff. I I hate to say that, but I mean, you, I mean, you look at sentimental value. That's a different. Oh, that's right. It's so (laughs) close to my heart. I'm looking at these issues of pit, right? I'm going through and there's a ton of issues of pit. I would have loved to have had, from what I understand, this was a this was somebody's collection. I, I, I hope they didn't pass away, but obviously, uh, that's usually what you run into sometimes at auctions. People will pass away. They've got a lot of stuff that they want. the The family wants to try and they don't have any way of getting rid of that stuff, so they put it in an auction to try and get as liquidated as quick as they can. They want to get that cash as just back yeah. into their hands. I, I'd have to do some research. I really hope he didn't pass away because if so, he was probably around my he's probably around my age, probably around our age, you know, because he's collecting Young Blood. He's collecting yeah. There, there, I saw, you know, codename Strike Force, uh, Strike Files. There was a, I mean, a run of Stormwatch. Just about any image comic that you could think of was sitting there, at least from 93, 94 forward to about 97, 98. It looks like it's about when those, when those comics cut off. Hmm. But the guy that wins it, all he's going to do is try and flip those things. And I, right. I, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to buy them because they might... You never know. I mean, I, I mean, once probably, watched. At best, he'll probably make his money back. And <laughs> right. I mean, I mean I, he does. It's not, here's the thing. Like, I could see him at his damn furniture store, and he's like, "Hey, you, you interested in this armoire? Oh, okay. Well, how, are you interested in the Supreme Number One? Well, all right. Well, I'll throw that in free. It's like, dude, you're not. You can't. It, it's definitely going to the auction house. The, uh, that's the only other thing that I can think he's going to do with these things. Anyway, I was furious. <laughs> Me and this guy had some run-ins before. I was at an auction. Now, I've never seen him bid on comics. What is... <laughs> I've never seen him do this. So there you go. That's my auction story. Uh, that's why I'm so frustrated. I mean, <laughs> I would have loved to have come on. I probably owned... 
I told Evan, I said, dude, if I can get these cheap, I will, I will give you my doubles because I own <laughs> probably, I don't know, 40% of what was there. I would have yeah. loved to have got my hands on the fantastic four from the nineties that they had there. He had a bunch of, he had a big run of captain America after the heroes reborn and, and, and the Avengers as well. The spawn books were there. There was a Spider-Man bad rock, grifter, bad rock, some great stuff that I would have just would have fit so well and would have been just almost like kismet that, that, that destiny, <laughs> you know, the destiny of how we've been celebrating image comics this week here I have the chance to make out like I've never seen comics like this in a very long time. Like I was mentioning yeah. earlier, auctions like this are recently have been few and far between where I can find at least uh, comics, the amount of issues being as much as they were at this auction. Usually it's like, I don't know. I got five issues of sad sack comics. Okay. Well, I'm going <laughs> to pass. I'm going to pass on that. That's usually what you see at the auctions, but this one right here was special. Yeah. And, Anyway, man, if you ever get the chance to go to an auction, I highly, I highly suggest it. Uh, it's a fun experience. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of why we're here. We have, <laughs> we have come, we have come to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of Image Comics. The seven founders each brought a comic to Image Comics, and what we're going to do is try our best to talk about each one of those first issues tonight. Now, I'm going to do the rundown here. Uh, I'm going to do the rundown of what we have on tap, and then. To kind of give everybody an idea of what Chris and I did, we ranked these issues, uh, one withstanding. So the first one we're going to cover tonight is Wetworks number one. I want to kind of just briefly go over what happens in that issue. We may talk a little bit about, um, you know, Will Sportacio, and we, we're not going to include that in our ranking. We're going to include six books total in our ranking. Uh, that's going to be Youngblood number one. Uh, I'm going to try this by I'm going to try this by memory of release date as I list these here. Rob Liefeld's Youngblood number one, Todd McFarlane's Spawn number one, Eric Larson's Savage Dragon number one, then Jim Lee's Wildcats number one, mm -hmm. then Jim Valentino's Shadowhawk number one. Yep. And then Mark Silvestri's Cyberforce number one. Now that is in order of release date. But what Chris and I did here was we did our own little rankings and we're going to go from our least, at least, you know, hey, we all love the Image Comics, but we, we ranked them. So we're going from six to one as we cover them. So, well, I was going to ask you, for one thing, were you on the image bus uh, when it left the station back in 1992? It's later. It's definitely later. And, and when I say later, it's not much later, okay? Mm -hmm. Because Wizard, the guide to comics, was keeping me informed as to what was going on around the, the world of comics. Now, was I reading com the comic news section in there? Eh, I mean, sometimes, uh, but yeah. mainly I'm going back. I'm checking the prices <laughs> my, on my <laughs> comics that I bought, you know, but... Uh, I remember you start hearing what's going on with image pretty easily in with in wizard magazine, uh, because mm -hmm. they're, they're definitely promoting uh, or doing at least a good job of informing the reader that, Hey, some of the big creators uh, from Marvel just left and are creating or are going to be part of another, uh, another company and a whole brand new comics universe. So, I finally figured this out. This is probably about uh, legitimately a couple weeks ago I, for the longest time. And I even think I may have said it on this podcast. Youngblood number four was what I thought my first issue was. But it turns out if I'm going by release date, the first and, I, and, and this makes a lot more sense for me. The very first issue that I bought was pit number one. It makes sense because 
I probably would have wanted to get on the ground floor of something. I knew who Dale Keown was. I knew him from the Hulk. I remember his art. And again, the issue just jumped off of the, it jumped off the shelf to me. And I was like, okay, I want to start there. So I grabbed pit number one. And I, I just remember looking through that and thinking, my gosh, you know, this <laughs> thing felt so different yeah. from what I was reading before. And then I think I bought a, a young blood issue shortly after that, like towards the end of the initial uh, run in the first volume of, I don't think I knew anything about like the initial series of Savage Dragon, like the mm-hmm. first three issue series had no idea about that until the ongoing hit. So but anyway, so yeah, I, I would say about 93, I'm jumping on and I it is one of the main reasons I felt comics were exciting again. Mm-hmm. And that is what I took from it. When I was buying those image issues, I was like this this company, this universe is something that I feel I need to pay attention to and I don't want to miss anything. And I didn't for quite a while. I mean, I was buying Wildcats. I was buying Stormwatch. I was buying I was buying Savage Dragon. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't getting a whole lot of the extreme titles except for Supreme. Now, if a crossover hit as things as time went on, I was probably going to try and get all the issues in that image crossover, such as uh, or the event Extreme Sacrifice, Extreme Prejudice, Shattered Image. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about the Wildcat Spawn crossover, Devil Day. Uh, yeah. So I, I was buying those issues if I could get my hands on my wood. And not to mention the company crossovers too, man. Batman Spawn. <laughs> you know, I showed you tonight. Bad Rock Wolverine. What was Yeah, Bad Rock Wolverine, which I didn't know existed until tonight when I saw the issue. <laughs> I had no clue. I saw that tonight and I'm like, oh, I want to read that. Bad Rock Spider-Man, all oh, the X-Men Wildcats crossover where it was like going through the different ages, yeah. which was so. So anyway, was I on at the beginning? Uh, close enough. Right. How about you? Not really. I mean, kind of. I have the I have these vague memories. This is, you know, I was um, 11 when Youngblood came out. Number one, I turned 12 a few months, about a month later. And I, I had a friend. I had a couple of friends that were into comics. And one of them, I have these vague recollections of him showing me this young blood number one issue and i was like this is just like a ripoff of x-men oh, oh look at the listen to you yeah that, i mean well i mean i was really dismissive <laughs> and yeah uh, you know i was a hardcore marvel zombie almost <laughs> yeah yeah you know he was like no this is the guy that used to do x-force and i and i loved x-force you know i had x-force number one two three whatever which actually had not come out that much longer before Youngblood. And then he was kind of the one who clued me. And I, I, you know, I think the first wizard that I ever had was the issue that Spawn was on the cover, maybe number 13. So by that time, the image stuff was already, uh, I think at least some of the issues had already come out. Um, But he was, he was the, my friend is the one that kind of clued me in. Like he knew about all these Marvel guys going and starting their own company. I read Youngblood and I was like, this is badass. actually. (laughs) I was wrong. So then I, you know, I, I think I had, all of the number ones, you know, as they were coming out. And I was lucky that I had an older brother who wasn't really into comics, but was kind of doing the speculator thing. He bought a lot of the early issues and he would read them, but he was mostly buying them, you know, to, you know, with hopes that they would be worth money one day, I guess. As we all do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he bought a lot of mostly image stuff, you know, for a couple of years. And then he kind of fell, fell, uh, fell off of it. But while, while he was going to the comic shop getting stuff, that meant I get to go to the comic shop with him and get my own. Right. Uh, so I was kind of all over all that early image stuff and stuck with it, you know, for uh, for several years. So I wasn't like right there on the on, on the uh, opening day, you know, stuff. But within I think probably before any of the other image books had come out. 
I was I was ready for Spawn number one when it was released, <laughs> and me and my brother were picking that up on the first day. So yeah, I, I was all about Image, and uh, that was probably my first when I first started to realize, oh, I like this artist. I don't just like Spider Man, you right. know, or I don't just like the X Men. I like Jim Lee, and he, he now he's doing Wildcat, so I want to read that too. Uh, and I was starting to notice the artists putting names to the artists that I like, and uh, eventually the writers as well. So yeah. That's really cool. And I, I find that parallel a lot with these guys, with, with these creators, because I, I'm the same way. You know, you start to realize how these creators set themselves apart, especially the artists, you know, how they set themselves apart from what came before. And then you're remembering names, which, you, you mm-hmm. know, for me, I wasn't doing that either. I, at first I was like, OK, well, you know, I yeah, I like Jim Lee's X-Men. I loved how Todd McFarlane was drawing Spider-Man and Spider-Man villains. I loved it. So I would recognize those names. And then, of course, the unique art style. All of a sudden, you're able to pick that out of a lineup real easy. Mm -hmm. So and I've heard other people say the exact same thing. Not only did they herald in, you know, this creator driven company, but they also they knew what they had when they started this. They knew they had enough clout and enough Mm -hmm. You know, enough of a following, a fan following that the fans would follow them where they go. I put a timeline kind of together, too, as far as like the the creators kind of getting together, making their decision to, to go off on their own. Let's hear it. All right. So my sources for this are Rob one, Liefeld himself. Well, that is, that's one of them. Uh, <laughs> I've, I got this uh, and, and you've got a copy, too, of the official image timeline. That's right. Uh, that Jim Val- Valentino put together, and it was released a few months ago. Uh, and it's basically just a lot of images of covers and stuff and, and promotional images, and then text down the side of each page with dates of, you know, the day that the first issue was released, the day that this meeting took place, yada, yada. So one of my sources is that. And then I've also got Rob Servations, which is Rob Liefeld's podcast. He's had several episodes where he talks about the formation of Image Comics and stuff like that. You know, Rob Liefeld's a guy who's divisive or controversial, whatever. I'm a big fan. I think you're a fan. Say what you will about him. The the guy loves comics, yes. and he was there, so he knows, uh, you know, as far as all this stuff. Right. Uh, so that, that's, that's one of the uh, other sources. So something that's interesting, the first thing I have here, which is the first thing listed in the official timeline, August 4th, 1990, uh, Rob Liefeld and I think Jim Valentino, maybe Tom McFarlane, and a few people, but definitely Rob and Dave Ulbrich, of uh, Malibu publisher. Malibu. Yeah, he at, Rob asked uh, him about publishing their comics. And this is, you know, two years or a year and a half before the image stuff actually comes together. So I'd never heard that before. I don't think I've ever heard Rob mention that on his podcast. I've never read it anywhere in any other interviews. Elaborate. It's not elaborated on in, in the image timeline book. It's just, you know, uh, the first thing that's listed and it's like a paragraph or whatever. So that's interesting. Uh, I guess he had, he had talked to Dave well in advance. This is before, you know, X-Force, I think it even come out. Uh, so that's August 4th, 1990. Uh, a year later, August 9th, 1991, McFarland's uh, final issue of Spider-Man comes out, and then he basically retires right. uh, from comics. He wants to do his own thing, which is – this is something that was brought up on the Rob Servation podcast as well that I, I didn't realize that Todd was basically had taken like several months off. He didn't go straight from uh, Spider-Man into Spawn. That's something right. that kind of – he had to be kind of talked into. So. 
Uh, he retired from doing Spider-Man. He got sick of Marvel, I guess. He was going to do these trading cards for uh, in the NHL where he was going to uh, – he made he like did a pitch and everything, and, and the NHL ended up passing on it. I remember that story, gonna, yeah. Yeah, I it was going to basically be uh, NHL trading cards – with like, like the, upper deck, but it, it, I remember this. It was like upper deck, but it was <laughs> it was something different. Like, yeah, why would you want to be in the upper row. deck? Why, yeah, why would you want to be in the row. upper deck when you could be in the front row? <laughs> right. Uh, so he, he yeah he was going to do pictures on the front, and then on the back was going to be his own illustrations of uh, and like caricatures of the of the people of the players and stuff. But they passed on that, so he didn't do that. So then September thirteenth, nineteen ninety one, Rob is decided to do his own independent comic. It's going to be called The Executioners. Executioners. Uh, those characters would be repurposed or or used in Youngblood. I think as the Berserkers is what they're called in Youngblood eventually. But the ad is those characters as the Executioners. That ad runs in Comics Buyer's Guide, and then Marvel freaks out and basically yep. says you can't do that because right. it's infringing on the X trademark for for the you know X Men line. Uh, so that's September. Then December 20th, 1991 is the date that McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee uh, meet with Marvel's CEO, basically tell him, hey, we're leaving. We're going to do our own thing. He tries to get him to stay. Uh, he offers him the Epic line, which is a creator-owned imprint that Marvel uses from time to time. They like, no, that's not good. That's no good. We're just going to do our own thing. I don't remember exactly when, uh, but I'm assuming it's between them leaving Marvel and starting Image. Uh, but DC had offered Liefeld and I think McFarlane, maybe even Jim Lee, a deal to do some of their books. But Liefeld, basically, according to him in, on, the, on the podcast, they were not able to come to terms on the money. Uh, right. So they decided not to do that. And then uh, Eric Larson has said that he had a Nova and a Lobo book uh, for Marvel and DC, both like in the pipeline. Uh, when he decided to do Savage Dragon, and then I guess those got pulled. Uh, yeah, I would <laughs> probably say there was something. Marvel and uh, you know Marvel and DC were probably a little upset, right, about what was going on. And he's like, "Well, you threw your you know you threw your hat in with these guys. You're you're not getting anything from us." So not surprised. Right. So yeah, Liefeld is he's got McFarlane on board and Valentino, Eric Larson, Jim Lee was the big one that they really wanted to get because he was like oh, uh, yeah. the biggest name and he was kind of like the good soldier, I guess, for Marvel. They th- they say so it was a big deal to get him. He was kind of a coup. Once they get everybody on board, April 16th, 1992 is the day for Youngblood number one's release. 1.5 million copies, uh, which was, I think, the, the record for most independent comics sold at the time. Yeah. Um, Rob tells a story on the podcast about doing a signing at Golden Apple Comics that day. Easy E uh, showed up. Yeah. Right. And they got to hang, got to hang out with him. Uh, Jackie Childs uh, from Seinfeld, the lawyer. Uh, oh, yeah. I forget the guy, the actor's name, but he was there. He was a comic fan. Uh, this was before he was on Seinfeld, but he, he was an he was a working actor, and and uh, so he got to hang out with him too. Then uh, he got a call to be on the Dennis Miller show like that night because <laughs> you know this big signing was it was on the news. It was kind of a big deal, uh, and wow. Dennis Miller was actually a comic fan. Like he was name dropping uh, Jack Kirby, you know, characters and stuff. Uh, apparently, in the interview, nice. Um, Liefeld also says that Sean Patrick Flannery was supposed to be on the show and he got bumped for Liefeld because uh, he tells a story about being in the like green room or whatever. And Sean Patrick Flannery's uh, manager is like really pissed because his <laughs> client got bumped to for, for some comic book guy that nobody knew who he was. And then in October, 1992 image number zero, uh, the coupon yeah. deal, 
every issue that came out in October had a coupon. And if you collected all those, sent them in, you get an image, you get a copy of Image Comics number zero. And that really drove the sales up that month. And it pushed Image to the number two publisher past DC. Oh, boy. Uh, which was like the first time any publisher had been one or two besides Marvel and DC. <laughs> so it's kind of a big deal. Um, but yeah, the release dates were April 16th, 1992 for Youngblood, June 4th for Spawn number one. Uh, which sold 2 million copies. July 3rd of 92 was Savage Dragon number one, which sold 1.5 million. I got conflicting dates on Wildcast number one because it's not listed in the Image Timeline book, but the I date got. I have from uh, Mike's Amazing World That's where was I mine. August 7th, 1992. Yeah. And I couldn't find a sales figures uh, number for Wildcast number one. August 13th, 1992, Shadowhawk number one did three quarters of a million. And then interestingly enough, before Cyberforce number one is released, Brigade number one actually makes it out before Cyberforce number one, which I did not remember that being the case. Oh, uh, oh just wow. kind of a Youngblood spinoff almost. Okay. Um, but yeah, October 8th, 1992, Cyberforce number one, it does half a million copies. So that's pretty much like the, the timeline for the first uh, year of all the big stuff uh, for, uh, for Image. I remember going down to my buddy's house and seeing Spawn. I think he had Spawn number one sitting on his uh, sitting by his bedside. And this this guy never hardly collected comics. He was a quarterback <laughs> for the football team. You know, he's not in anything nerdy like that. But he had Spawn number yeah. one. For whatever reason, that was the that was the cool book. I, I remember like, you know, when I was late, late, I think I was maybe my sophomore or junior year of high school. This would have been like five years later, five, six years later. And there was a new kid at our school who heard that I was into comics. And he was like, yeah, you like Spawn, man? And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's all right. That's the only comic he knew anything about was Spawn. <laughs> but he knew Spawn. And I think it was before the movie had even come out. What a, what a great time to be alive. What a great time to be reading comics. In 2022, comic books are so accepted. They are, mm -hmm. they are something that is definitely a, a staple of the pop culture that's out there yeah. you know back in the 90s they weren't uh i mean you still had spider-man i shouldn't say that really i mean they you, everybody who knew who superman was everybody knew who spider-man was but was right. it cool to be a comic book reader uh we're no. not at that stage yet in the 90s <laughs> you know it's not widely accepted i can't go up to the cheerleader and say hey you know you want to go watch the <laughs> spider-man movie uh you know i that's it's i'm going to get laughed at so but this was actually probably around 2000 two uh so i was out of high school living on my own at this point and i had a went on a date we we ended up coming back to my house and i had an x like a framed x-men poster on my wall and the first thing as soon as she walked in oh you are into comic books oh, just no. like that like, no like oh this is cool you're like no. comics no it was no. like what the f dude <laughs> you're a grown man why is this on your wall <laughs> That was her tone. Uh, and that's like 10 years after Image dropped. I mean, it yeah. it's been a long, hard road, folks. <laughs> it has been a very, you know, the good thing is, is that we've always knew the nerds of the world were going to run things anyway. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you know, that's why you have your film universes, uh, <laughs> of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DCEU. It's because nerds like us have finally gotten to power and, and we have taken over. I, I don't know if you've seen Multiverse of Madness yet. Yeah, I have. I want. I got okay. to see that last week. That 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 just made me think. I'm looking at this official image timeline cover mm -hmm. where it's got like 
It's basically a collage of covers of uh, classic image books from the 90s in current stuff like Jupiter's Legacy, Invincible, stuff like that. It just makes me think, like, I want to go to the universe where 30 years later, all the image creators are just like Eric Larson. And they're all still doing their books. And it's all still an interconnected, you know, image universe. Because in the early days, like we're going to talk about, I think every issue. Yep. I know exactly what you're going to Youngblood. say right now. Yes. That yeah, is exactly I think every one right. of these number ones, they mention Youngblood. Like, and there, were, there were crossovers, you know, between all these books in the early years. Um, but now Image is more like, you know, they're doing stuff like Department of Truth, Saga, you know, stuff that I like. They're not that, popping in each other's books. That's not happening. Yeah, they're all like their own independent stories, which is, you know, it's great. But like, it started out as a superhero universe because that's, what the creators were coming from, you know, that that's what they knew, you know, it's expanded into all this different stuff now, but like, I I would love to see like what these guys would be doing and what this cohesive superhero type universe would look like if it had evolved over 30 years. Marvel Over, you know, Spawn is at what three hundred and some. Yeah, Spawn. Now? Spawn is still going. Savage Dragon is up to two fifty something, two sixty something. Right. Youngblood has had a bunch of different series, you know, in and out. Cyberforce pops in. You know, every once in a while, these books. You know, there's a new Shadowhawk coming out later this year. You know, these things come. They they come come and go. You know, over the what we uh, ain't getting. What we ain't getting is a Wildcat. No. That, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. And we're not getting Youngblood anytime soon because Liefeld doesn't have the rights to it anymore. Yeah, so Bailey mentioned that, and I I must have missed that episode, but who's got the rights to Youngblood? He he made a deal years ago that where he gave up the the right some kind of business deal where he gave up the rights. Um, but he's always still been involved until okay. it changed hands recently, like in the last few years, it's changed hands uh to a guy who's didn't want his involvement, I guess. And so it sounded like a shady guy that was trying to basically make comics so he could make movies thinking it would make a lot of, I don't know. It, it yeah. didn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, he, he's not involved. And I'm not even a hundred percent sure if that guy still has the rights, but I know Liefeld does not have the rights to it anymore. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It would be a crazy universe to see all that, man, to see actually the seven founders still around, still together, mm-hmm. still making their own creations and actually trying to, I would have loved to have seen the expanded part of the universe. And like, if they could have just, you know, what, what a neat thing it would have been to have the image cinematic universe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That brings this episode to a close, but make sure to come back tomorrow and catch us as we count down our personal rankings of the image founders. Number one issues from their respective launch titles. Who will be number one? Don't miss it.